Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning, I'm Karen. Karen, do you want to start us off with show notes today? Sure. Okay. Um, Sips of Sanity is a second podcast series that you and I have that is found on the website by sarlo.com. That show is 10 minutes long or 10 to 12 minutes. There are five. They group together with a common theme and run at the beginning of each month. There is an archive on the website as well where you can find all kinds of shows and each grouping gives you a toolkit for emotional or spiritual or intuitive intelligence. We have gift certificates and personal sessions available for purchase on the website by sarlo.com or by contacting us directly. If you would like to join us on Saturday or Sunday mornings listening to the show with a cup of coffee in one of our coffee mugs, you can go to bysarlo.com and buy yourself a mug for $15. Only Saturday and Sunday, though. You can only <laughs> listen to us on Saturday and Sunday. No, our podcasts are available on any podcast platform with Coffee with the Sarlos, and Sips of Sanity is only available on bysarlo.com. But you can pause them and play them any day of the week, Karen. <laughs> right. And last but not least, we have our evening with medium events that are on sale. Tickets are on sale for 2019 already because we've sold out for December. April 26th, August 23rd, and December 13th of 2019 are the dates. You can purchase them at buysarlo.com. That is the only way to get tickets. Is it too soon to say, Kelly, that they could make a wonderful Christmas gift? It is not too soon to say. Okay. Because those tickets are selling out nearly two months in advance to the actual show Mm -hmm. oh yeah at least and for regular listeners you're probably going that's odd they did show notes in backwards order today but we did that on purpose because we're actually debriefing about our most recent evening with medium event and that was for us last night at the sturgeon river house museum Mm -hmm. what a beautiful place first of all yes it's stunning It is gorgeous. It's on the Sturgeon River. You really need to go there if you're visiting this area or you're from here in Ontario. It's just a beautiful drive. Mm -hmm. And then it's on unsurrendered land, Mm -hmm. which you can just feel as soon as you walk on there, the pride that they take in what they've built there and sustained. Mm -hmm. And the respect that they're trying to give to the Indigenous people. Yes. And then re-educating people as well, too, Mm -hmm. about what that means. So the staff is incredible, extremely warm and welcoming, very accommodating. As most people know, we had to actually postpone that show because we were very ill with colds. But now that we have successfully pulled off the event, we really thought it would be important to debrief the day after so that the stories were fresh. So we're debriefing with all of you. Mm -hmm. Usually Kelly and I debrief on our own. Um, Over pizza. Well, we did that last night after the event was over, but we're going to share everything with you today. So first of all, Kelly, this event started for you and I early in the morning Mm -hmm. on Friday, not Friday evening at seven o'clock when we started channeling for people. Mm -hmm. So can I begin? Sure. I'm I'm sure I know we debrief lots, but I'm sure there's things about your experience that I don't know and, and vice versa. Okay. I was so fatigued that day I laid down in the treatment room for a couple of hours in the afternoon while you were seeing clients Mm -hmm. and during that period of time just picking up people's information I remember sitting with Andrew at one point and he said how are you doing and I said or what are you doing and I remember thinking 
and telling him that I was just going in and out, just trying to rest. But at one point when I was resting, I felt more and more fatigue, like I was pushing myself harder and harder and harder, even though I'm doing nothing. But this feeling of having to do more and be relentless in what you do for others to the point of your own breakdown, your own fatigue. And I remember feeling pushed to that point where I felt sick, I felt ill with fatigue from all of that, right to the degree where I almost felt like I didn't want to live my life anymore. Okay, so then I'm just going to back up and sort of clarify for listeners that that was something that you were experiencing mentally. Mm -hmm. You're observing all of the thought processes that are running through your head as you're laying completely still Mm -hmm. on your massage table. Yeah, and that that is not my life. So I know that that is somebody else's stuff. And I remembered the feeling was psychological, but that I literally felt it physically. Another thing that happened earlier that day around 11 in the morning was that a gentleman was in the kitchen, a gentleman meaning a dead person. So a spirit was standing in the kitchen and he just came and leaned up against the counter and said that he wanted to talk to me about his daughter and that his daughter was going to be coming to the evening. And I remember just moving around in the kitchen, dining room, living room area because I was trying to pack up all of our gear for the evening because Amanda was coming to pick it up to take it out to Sturgeon Falls earlier. And he just started talking to me about his relationship with his daughter. He came around the corner and he showed me he had a pot belly. He told me things about the relationship with his wife, where he wasn't kind to her, but that he triangled the daughter in the relationship so that she grew to believe that her dad was kinder than he actually was. And that she didn't understand or wasn't able to see physically in the relationship how he had truly treated her mother. And that he wanted to apologize to her since he had passed for that behavior. And that he was quite sorry, Kelly, that he had damaged the relationship between his daughter and her mother. And that she wasn't given the tools in this life to understand what triangling meant or how damaging it is to any relationship that she could be in, including in-laws or her husband and her own children. He talked about how he had passed and he gave me particular information so that when I got to the event that night, I would be able to verify it with somebody that was in the room. So I just stored that in my mind. And I remember when I first got to the event, I had to write some of that thing, those things down so that I would remember it. And the last thing that happened to me on the way there in the car, remember we were on the way to Sturgeon and we were just getting closer. We had talked about going to the Tim Hortons to get a a tea before the event. And I had a lot of pain in my arch of my left foot. And it went into the pad of the foot, not the toe area, but into the pad. And I remembered saying to you, I feel like I broke my foot. I know this isn't my stuff. This has to be somebody else's tonight because I didn't injure my foot. Mm -hmm. go ahead Kel what happened to you that day because I know that you also saw clients that day I felt really fortunate that I woke up in a really awful mood I felt extremely angry and extremely depressed and like a desperation but do you mean you feel fortunate now I feel fortunate let me finish oh 
that it actually was my client before the event because I know when we see clients oh. prior to that we can sit there and think, oh God, I hope this isn't for someone at the event and I'm going to go ahead and ask my client at two, right? Mm -hmm. So I felt fortunate that they gave me the information um, sequentially and that I didn't have to go back and forth with all of the things I was getting. Okay. I thought you meant that you woke up happy that you were in a terrible mood, but I understand what you're saying. I had to get there. In hindsight, you can be grateful that it happened sequentially for you. Yeah. Okay. I feel that's one of the ways that the guys just take care of you. Oh, absolutely. So that I don't have to work as hard. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I got through the client during the day and things didn't really start happening for me until we got into the car to travel to Sturgeon. And this is going to be really gross, but I'm going to do my best to kind of keep it brief. Um, I had the worst gas in the car. As you well know, yes. we were rolling the windows down multiple times. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, it was awful and it hurt. So as most people know, you can have gas without pain, right? You can just sort of pass it. Sometimes, it, you know, it doesn't even smell. Well, I had it all and I didn't know what was going on. I was trying to figure out, you know, on a human level what I had eaten that day or maybe even yesterday. And it just, it got worse and worse as we got to the Riverhouse Museum and we were led upstairs into a kind of private room so that we could just sit with each other before the event started. And she showed us, the woman at the museum showed us where the private bathrooms were. And I said to you, I got to go. So I went in and it was, again, just an awful situation, pain-wise, body-wise, <laughs> smell-wise. I'm so sorry. I can vouch for that. Yes, you can. <laughs> And there were a mess of things that happened up there. And I remember thinking, too, that I was trying to hide what was happening, which I think is probably human nature when something's gross in a washroom situation. But I remember feeling panicked and not kind of all there as Kelly would be, like, to sort out my own thoughts. And when I thought it was over, I joined you back in the private room. We kind of sat down for a bit. And then I had to go right back in. I got sick all over again. And it wasn't till the second time that I was in there that I realized these are alcohol poops. I've had these before in previous years when I've tried drinking and I have just been absolutely sick afterwards. I don't know what an alcohol poop means because I'm a non-drinker. Mm -hmm. Do and other people just know that, Kelly? So you don't have will. to describe it? Yeah, okay. some people will and some people may not experience it the same way. But I know like these were fiery and burning. Oh. And, and in the stomach too. I don't just mean in the bum. Um, so you know, we're all very well acquainted now, mm -hmm. but this is what happened. And I remember sitting on the toilet thinking, what the heck? I, I have not drank in over probably a year and a half to two years now, but this, this was the sensation and it's unmistakable. Hmm. So I did whatever I could to empty my system <laughs> before the event started and I rejoined you in the private room, just trying to collect myself and, and get downstairs to get through the event. And I remember walking to the top of the stairs and feeling extremely dizzy. And it was pitch black, actually. Mm -hmm. It was a very, very tall staircase if anyone's been there. And I remember thinking, I got to flick the light on because I'm going to fall down these stairs. Mm. And I was just so disoriented. And I reached, I think I reached out to you as I was walking down. Um, just to sort of steady myself. And I remember thinking, I'm, I'm going to fall. And I was wearing flats, and I'm pretty well coordinated. Um, but that was what was running through my head. Mm -hmm. 
I remember back in the room, Kelly, um, writing notes that the guides were giving me for the evening and that sometimes you will have the same experience where you start writing notes. But this particular night, last night, you I don't recall that you could write very many notes. What was going on for you synesthetically was dominating you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was the only stuff for me leading up to the event. Thank God. I don't think I could have handled more. Yeah, well, that's quite a lot because you might have, I would just recall you thinking, was this food related or was this the flu coming on? You were trying to figure out what was happening mm-hmm. and if you were going to be able to make it through two hours of channeling for 60 people. Mm-hmm. While we were sitting at the table upstairs, Kel, I remember a spirit guide saying that there would be a woman standing at the back door during the evening. And so I literally wrote down female at the back door. Yep, I remember that one. So these things come very randomly. I don't understand what I'm supposed to say to that person. No, and especially like that one in particular, we have 60 chairs set up. Mm-hmm. No one no one stands. No, and no one ever stands at the back door like that. So I know you had said, oh, there's a woman standing at the back door and you and we both assumed she'd be dead. Yes. Okay, so we'll, we'll leave it at that for oh, now. Oh, that's right too. Yes, good point. Because that's, that's beforehand. I thought it was going to be a spirit woman standing at the back door. Correct. Okay. So then, as everyone knows, if you've been to an event or you've listened to these debriefings, we always go through consent. I do the human stuff where I go through everything that we offer in an evening so people are comfortable and know what they're in for. Because it really is only advertised as a medium event. But Mm -hmm. we, we do tons. Right. So as I'm going through all of that, you're writing down more information. Yes. I use all of the senses and whatever is happening in the room, I jot things down as best I can. So for example, and I'll read off the page, I wrote things like dizzy, lightheaded, mom depression. I wrote things like dancing, school, keep going, school to teach, perform. I wrote other things like um, a heart issue and birds, a mom or a grandmother uh, and I wrote lady. Oh, I wrote lady at the back twice, Kelly. I just noticed that on the page. Huh. Um, Bread bakery. So I'm just reading off just some random things on one side of the page. So people understand that this is really random, that sometimes it all connects to one person. And sometimes it's for multiple people in the room. And if I'm standing at the front and looking out at 60 people, I don't know how to take one message on the page and plug it into the right person, like a switchboard operator. Well, and sometimes, or most often, that doesn't even get to happen until you give the general piece, and then you start differentiating between the two and three people that might raise their hand in the event. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I might have to stand up and say, I have this piece of information. It's in this area of the room to my right. It's this group of people. Can you put up your hand in this area if this is accurate for you? And then I'll start um, narrowing it down because the spirit world will then start to give me all of the information that's more pertinent. And eventually it always comes down to one person. Mm -hmm, Because even if there are notes on the page, the entirety of the message ends up coming out and channeled on the spot while you're talking to them. Yes. So you and I don't have all these messages lined up in our head before the evening begins. No, we're busy pooing. (laughs) 
and complaining about a broken left foot. (laughs) Okay, so bring us to your first message then. So the first message started out where I thought it was a couple of people because one lady was sitting behind another lady, not related to each other, not knowing each other. But the first message came through and it was because a mom and a dad had passed away and both of those women put their hand up and it ended up coming down to the woman in the back. Is that right, Kel? Well, the woman behind the first. Right. And she had long, dark hair Mm -hmm. and quite a few of the different things on the page about the birds, stuff like that, had come through for her. And if I remember correctly, her parents came through because they had raised her in a very challenging way. I'm just saying that because challenging is wide open in how people can interpret that. But she had had a very challenging and difficult kind of upbringing. Mm -hmm. She had to fight for herself. Yeah, and she still was to some degree having to fight for herself currently in her relationships Mm -hmm. and that her parents were trying to say that they were sorry to her that they didn't give her a better toolkit in life to cope with things yeah they had also mentioned that she felt overly responsible for everyone even though she knew in her head she wasn't she behaved as such yeah And, and a time to break that type of pattern and how to be able to break that if I remember correctly they told her that she needed to increase her emotional intelligence and get a toolkit so that she wouldn't keep repeating the same patterns. Because quite often we think, oh, I'm just not going to be like my parents. But we don't actually go out and learn how to do anything differently. We think we're just going to do it differently. And that just doesn't happen. And unfortunately, we never figure that out. Because we don't see ourselves as being like our parents. We think we are behaving differently when in fact we are not. I do recall that she was able to confirm all of those things and there was another person sitting beside her that was shaking her head yes, just to give the affirmation that was correct, that she knew this about the person that was with her. Perhaps other people there knew it was accurate too. I remember talking to you about that when we came home, Kelly. How incredibly brave these people are to come to an event like that where... Other people in the community that may know you, this is a small community, Sturgeon Falls, they may know what you've gone through or think they did because your parents may have presented something to society that they wanted the group, the community to believe that might not be in fact what you went through in your own home. And now people are going to hear that about you. I hope what it does for those people in the community is to be able to have more empathy for each other and to realize we don't always know each other's stories as much as we think we do. Okay, Kelly, then you went because we were going back and forth this last night. Yeah, it was a little bit more even. Um, so I know that the first one that had come out for me was Crohn's colitis. And I was differentiating between, I think, two or three people in the group. But it ended up being for a woman who attended and it was her daughter that had it. And the first thing that ended up coming out was actually what had happened to me upstairs in the second bowel movement, where there were distinct sounds and procedures to how the movement moved. That's really good to point out, because if people have Crohn's and colitis, they might be able to sit here and listen to this podcast and go, yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. And another person who doesn't have Crohn's or colitis or an irritable bowel syndrome 
really has no idea what you're talking about. And that would mean maybe for them, this is a good chance to listen to what they go through. Mm-hmm. And, and as much as I can laugh, like I was really observing what my body was doing because I know what a consistent healthy movement feels like. And I knew what was happening last night was was not mine. Well, you had cramping, I think, as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it was in a particular area, so the left side of my intestines. And then as it was like actually coming out, it came in like two larger, what felt like pushes or bursts of air. And then at the end, you know, it's glorious. um, It was like a really big push of air that was like a fart that actually sounded like a deep burp, Hmm. which I'd never heard come out of my body before. Right. But if you have this problem, I imagine they know exactly the discomfort you feel and the sounds and including the feelings deep within the body that you experience. Yeah. And that mother, like it didn't even phase her. Yeah. She just said yes. Well, there you go, because now she's also understanding what her daughter's going through to that degree. Mm-hmm. So what ended up coming through was that her daughter's spirit, who's still alive, had come through to say that she had accepted her diagnosis as much as it sucked. And she had decided that when she went into the washroom that she was going to consider it her office. Right. Her personal time. She wasn't going to rush anything. She knew she couldn't. So whatever was going to happen in there was just going to happen. That's beautiful. Yeah. And so the joke in the family was, this is my office. Yeah. And... The mom did affirm that they joked about the sounds that came out of her body. And I think in an attempt to keep things light. Mm -hmm. But the soul actually came through to say, please ask me better questions. Because what was happening was everyone was just asking her, how do you feel today? And so she could only ever really have the opportunity to identify with her illness or her disease. And they weren't bringing themselves outside of that concept of who she was and what her experiences were to ask her about maybe what she was thinking or enjoying or feeling passionate about or wanting to learn it was always just about how are you feeling or maybe what you need today so that you can get through that Mm -hmm. and her grandmother who was kind of in and out of consciousness the, the mom stated that she had at one point been in a walker or used a walker the spirit of the grandmother was saying that she she goes to her her granddaughter while she's in the washroom and just sits with her so she can have some company. So she is in a state between the worlds right now. Yes. As if I remember correctly, she said that her her mother, this young girl's grandmother, mm-hmm. is in the process of transitioning and dying. Yes. Okay. And so the grandmother's spirit says, I sit with my granddaughter in the washroom to say, I love you, dear. Aw, in the office in together. Office. <laughs> yeah. And the grandmother had said, I want to tell my daughter how to love her daughter better. And it wasn't to point fingers and saying you're doing it wrong. It was to say, here are better tools. Oh, it doesn't get better than that. Mm. That's lovely. It's gentle and kind. That's support. So then the next message goes back to you. Okay. And if I remember that one correctly, it was the woman right in front of her. Is that right? No, it wasn't Kelly. It was a young woman whose dad had just passed away that had come through in the kitchen earlier at 11 o'clock that morning. Is that correct? Yep. Okay, that was the second message for me. And that, well, that took a little bit of time trying to figure out which women in the room. 
um, in that particular area because there were quite a few. But it Who had came- lost their dad. But yeah. hands went down when you said more recent uh, and then narrowed down the pot belly. Right, because he had given me a time frame when he died, and he had been a recent crossing. And heart. And that he had had a heart issue, that it was a daughter, that he had a pot belly. So he was starting to, well, his information allowed it to get right to the point to the right person. And then the messages for her came through about the triangling, about her being able to understand relationships better, about her being able to understand that he said he actually had had some bad behavior on earth, and that he was there to apologize for that behavior, and that it actually was affecting her life currently, mm-hmm. and that he wanted to be able to give her a tool or some tools or say, go in this direction and try and educate yourself to figure out what this triangling means so that you don't get sucked into this in your life experience or that you're the one creating it. Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome because here's a dad saying, I had a pattern that was unhealthy. You are my daughter and I do not want you to create the same patterns. So let's break these. Here's the way that you get your education. You live a better life. Let me love you through the process. My favorite part in that particular um, channeling message was when the woman in front of her was crying. Yeah. And you said, are you okay? And she said, I'm just so sad for her. Yeah. And I think that was the first moment, because that's the first time we've been in Sturgeon, that they got to figure out and feel what it's like when we all cumulatively send love to one another. Yeah. And I remember standing right in front of that lady, because she was in the front row. And I, when I realized she was crying so hard for the woman behind her, mm-hmm. that I just, I was rubbing her arm. And and she doesn't know this woman. She just mm-hmm. put herself in the shoes of, if this was my father, what kind of heartbreak would I feel? And then sent love to this young woman because of the heartbreak she's experiencing. Mm-hmm. What a great way to feel connected and a great way to feel loved and supported by people you don't even know. And then the dad went on to describe how much he loved his son-in-law. Oh, I didn't remember that. And he told her that her husband, so his son-in-law, was going to own his own business, that mm. he was going to move forward with his career, get proper training. And, and it was so cool because this son-in-law he's referring to, his actual sister was sitting next to her. So mm. these two sisters-in-law were getting messages about the same man. Yeah. And there was just so much love going through the family. Oh, that's nice. And what a great thing for that young man, because now the two two women in his life can support him through that change. They don't even have to go home and tell him any of that. But as he goes through it, they could have that knowing and be there for him. Mm-hmm. And the father-in-law who's passed and had supported this young man in his growth because he's in the trades mm. can say, I already know about your successes. Mm. I'm already proud of you. Oh, that's beautiful. I love how you react in a way that you're just hearing the message for the first time. I feel like I am, though. That's why I insisted on doing the podcast the day after the show. Mm. Because by the time even, well, now comes along, I have to go back to the notes. And as people are hearing, I am just as surprised because I don't remember so much of it. And I know tomorrow I'm not going to be able to remember it. Yep. Okay, your turn next. Yes. So this one was a little bit messy and it took a little while to kind of sort out. I had written down on my sheet that there was a dad and a brother that were on the other side together, but that they hadn't died at the same time. 
I had written down that one was a suicide, and I wrote down that it was by hanging, that they're um, that they both loved fishing, and that they had a little bit of animosity between each other, that they were competitive, but the competition was in a good way, uh, but that they could both be pretty darn stubborn, and that the sister was still alive who was frustrated with both of them but had to put her anger aside to still continue a relationship with both of them. And that both of these men had really pushed her to set boundaries Hmm. or gave her the opportunity and that she never really took it. Oh, oh, say that again. That these two men gave her the opportunity to learn how to set healthy boundaries, but she never took that lesson. That's huge. So what ended up happening with this, if I recall properly, is that it ended up getting split in half. So half of these messages applied to a woman toward the back where it was her brother and her father who had passed separately. The brother was by hanging, and it was suicide. But she had been so young, I don't think she said she remembered her brother that much, so she couldn't confirm the dynamics between him and her father. Mm -hmm. And that's fine, because some people can't affirm the information that we get, so we leave it be. Uh, But more information ended up coming out about her, about setting boundaries and being healthy and being extremely stubborn. And... I, you might have to jump in because I remember giving some of these messages and her being very pursed lipped and not wanting to say yes. And I think the guides even said, well, you're either lying to him or you're lying to me. So which one is it? And then she said, okay, yes, I'm sorry. I understand. So she did work. She did work to, to try and get to those places of understanding the messages. And it actually wasn't until the very end when we were leaving that you made the comment that the people who brought her to the event had said this is why we brought you to have that butt kicking yeah and she was grateful for it Mm -hmm. she had paused during the evening maybe tuned out I don't really know to really absorb what you had said and what had come through from the spirit world and she really did take it to heart she really did absorb it and she was acknowledging it Yeah, and the other thing that had come through that wasn't on my paper, but as I was differentiating between the two two women in this situation, was that this woman had a heart condition. So as I was talking to her, my heart kept skipping a beat, which is not romantic, the way people talk about it. It is terrifying. I could feel like a rush of too much blood coming into my heart, and then it would skip. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, you have like um, an arrhythmia. And it it skips a beat every now and then, and it floods. And she said, yeah. And I kind of like went concave, like I pulled my shoulders in and I wanted all my clothes off. You said that out loud. You said, I want to take my clothes off. Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't mean to be insensitive, but does the sensation come into your nipples? Yeah. Like they're overly sensitive. She can't have anything on them, but it comes from or originates from the sensation in her heart. So it all has to do with the heart not functioning properly and then oversensitivity around it. I want to point out, Kelly, that every single person in the room was very mature about that. Yes. There was no uncomfortable or nervous giggling. Every single person present really listened to your messages, saw your discomfort and felt for you and really very much felt for that woman. Mm -hmm. There was nothing that was disrespectful about the attitude or the presence of the people there. Mm -hmm. I loved this group of people. Oh, same. And I know we expressed that at the end of the night too. Oh, they were extraordinary. 
So she ended up getting messages that she was on the path to a heart attack and that she hadn't had it checked out and needed to. And I think I probably death stared the people that brought her because it was like (laughs) she needs someone to hold her accountable. Mm -hmm. Um, Because with medical intuitive information, you can hear that you're on the path to a heart attack and still prevent it. Mm -hmm. Now, in the process of still differentiating these two people who had a brother and a dad on the other side... There was one woman on my right up at the front and the fishing message applied to her. So Mm -hmm. it didn't make sense to the other woman that we just spoke about. But I said, I'm seeing fishing rods all lined up in a row and there are some that have neon colors. And she said, yes, they were all different types of fishing, including ice fishing and that the neon was orange. Mm -hmm. And it didn't go in this order. It wasn't immediately after. So I ended up being pulled back to her throughout the night because that message wasn't done and I love that these two dads and brothers made this possible for both women they don't know each other they didn't come together but these four men on the other side came through together and then separated when I came back to this woman it was all about her people pleasing it was all about the fact that she gets walked all over um, that she doesn't set any boundaries so these were common messages between the two women Um, And it really was emphasized that she was having difficulty sleeping, which she emphatically agreed to. And they described the rhythms or the patterns that she was struggling with. Um, And also that she was experiencing high levels of anxiety because of empathy. And it's not a concept I think that she had really been exposed to before last night. Because I had to describe to her that when she walks in a room, she can feel what other people are feeling. But because she doesn't talk about it or ask them if that's true... She gets anxious about why she's having these emotions, and then it just goes to anxiousness. Oh, and that would be coupled with the anxiousness that you feel when you're also a people pleaser. Yes. So she's getting double whammied, Kelly, by feelings of anxiety and then not understanding which one it is. And imagine when it's both. Mm -hmm. Like that would just put her mind into total confusion. And I could just well imagine that sometimes that just causes her to shut down. And that's exactly what came through, is that she did and she was starting to isolate, but that she desired to be out supporting people, but that she couldn't. So then I had said to her, her hormonal levels were all all out of balance and that she needed to see a naturopathic doctor to get them in balance. Oh, this is one of the things I love about channeling for people. It comes through at the events as well, and you're bringing it up right now, is that the spirit world will actually say, you need a chiropractor. Mm -hmm. You need a naturopath, you need a surgeon, you need a gynecologist. Mm -hmm. They actually give people the direction. And I think sometimes that's just exactly what we're waiting to hear. We just don't know what to do. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that even though we say we refer to these people, a formal referral is never needed. We refer to them as professionals because we know and trust them. And that's the extent of it. There's no kickbacks. It's just about helping you heal. Exactly. So her hormones were completely out of whack and they were talking about elevated estrogen levels, which she has not yet been able to confirm but needs to. And when she was kind of hemming and hawing, not knowing what to do with the information, that's when I said, is it correct that you have severe hip pain going into sciatica? Oh, yeah. And she was like, oh, my God, yes. And I said, well, then I'm correct about the hormone levels. Mm -hmm. You need those checked out and, and dealt with. The one thing that I had written in that column that did not make sense is that I had said she had been labeled with depression and that she was taking sleeping pills and she said no. 
that she was not on sleeping pills and she had not been diagnosed with depression. And I didn't know what to do with that, so I left it be because I wasn't getting any other information. And it wasn't until the very end of the night when her and the friend that she came with came up to me and said, excuse me, is it possible that that information was for me? The, for the, the other woman. Yeah. And I said, well, are you on sleeping pills? She said, yes. And I clarified, had you experienced quite a bit of loss? Like she's lost more than one to three people, I think they had said. And she said, yes, that's correct. And I said, then that's entirely possible that the messages came through for both of you. I said, you're labeled with depression, but it's actually grief and you weren't given time to go through the grieving process. You've just accepted the label of depression. Wow. What a, what a great way to walk away and be able to understand that what you might want to do then is be able to see a therapist that could help you through your grieving process. Mm -hmm. and, and know that you don't actually need to be on medication. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was very grateful that they clarified, not just for me and the affirmations that they were correct, but for her. Mm -hmm. Oh, it can change her life and the people around her if she's not having to be on the medication, if a professional can get her off of that. And that she doesn't identify as depressed. Yes. It's not, it doesn't have to be her story anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay, so even though those were out of order, let's go back to you. So the spirit world came through at one point to say to me that there was a woman on the right side of the room in the middle and that her mom and dad had passed that her mom wanted to come through in particular and talk to her and that she knew that her daughter was suffering from depression and this woman I would say is probably in her 60s or 70s I don't know for sure the age but I would certainly say around there and that her mom um, talked to her about her dry mouth talked to her about some of her behaviors and what she had gone through in life and wanted her to know how much she loves her still and that she had been passed for quite a long time. I think both her mom and dad were passed for quite a while. And I think she came with her granddaughter and her daughter and the daughter, the humans, the humans. Yes. Sorry. Yes. And that her granddaughter later in the evening got some short messages in regards to that that she's a dancer, that she's going to go off to school for education, but that dance would be still a part of her life. And that one day she was going to stand on a stage and think, how the heck did I get here? I think that's a fun message to hear. Just to know that someday you're going to be the one on a stage, a big stage, meaning that she was still going to pursue her dancing, her love. You actually referred to it as the stage. Oh, and I wouldn't know what that means. And but you said that. Oh. You said, I'm not sure what that means, but it like to dancers, it's the stage. Would that be like in Broadway or something, maybe? Well, I wonder. It could be. Or it could be Los Angeles, like on a dance show. Like, I don't, I don't even know what that would be. But that's where we don't interpret information. Yeah. And it, I, she shook her head. She shook her head? She shook her head or nodded to say, yes, that well, makes like, sense. She knew what that would mean for her then. And you know, isn't that a lovely thing that perhaps if I thought it was Broadway, but she thought it was Los Angeles, that that's, those are two different things and it's more important what she thinks and not me. Mm -hmm. And I think they also told her that she would end up making money with the dancing and that she would be able to teach if she chooses to. That's fun. Mm -hmm. That's That's fun to hear in your life. So sometimes in the evening, some of the messages are... Um, lighter and some of them are pretty deep and and hopefully healing 
So perhaps I'm a little bit out of order here, but I do recall going to the woman at the door because I saw female at the door on my page. Well, this was where it was funny because when we started the event, we went through consent mm. and then the two conveners stepped in, but only stood at the door. They didn't come and sit down. Oh, yes. As it turns out, because some people arrived late and mm -hmm. I understood later that they stayed at the door to let people in because they had purchased tickets. Mm -hmm. But the funny thing was, is that when you said, oh, my God, come on in, ladies, like have a seat. And they said, no, no, we're good here. We're going to stand. And you went, oh, my God, I have the women at the door on my paper. I just assumed they'd be dead. Yeah. Oh, and I said that out loud. We did. Yes. <laughs> OK, so one of the women at the door, um, a message came through from her that she was to write and that um, she I asked her, she did want to write in this life. And she said, yes. And I said that the spirit guides wanted her to know that she was to write, even when she doesn't know what to write about, but that the whole idea was that she was to write about whatever came to her and that she wasn't to worry about being so, so in a box that it has to be this and with form or something. And that she was to continue in education. Then she said, can I ask you a question? And I said, yes. And she said, can you talk to my grandpa? Any messages from my grandpa? There are some other people here present in the room that would like to hear from my grandpa. And so her grandfather then came through and I ended up talking directly to his, his second wife. And he said things to her about how much he loved her, how stubborn he was. He apologized for his stubbornness. Then I think he said that she had been stubborn as well. And she said, yes, that she had been also. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And I think if I'm remembering this properly, his first wife was passed over with him, but she wanted to come through to the woman in the room, the grandma in the room, his second wife, to say that she loved her. Okay. Hold on. Okay. He said to his second wife, the human in the room. Okay. I can't wait until you're dead. Oh, that's how it came out. That's how it was. Yeah. And he said, because I really want to sit with you and do your life review with you. And everyone's like, oh, that's so great. And he says, because I'd really like to point out the parts where I was actually right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, I totally forgot that. Which was just hilarious because he had just said how stubborn both of them were. That is funny. That's when he said, I'm here with my first wife. Okay. And then she said, I'm waiting for you too. The second wife. Yes. To the woman in the room. Okay. Oh, yeah. And she said that she loved her and that she was excited to be there for her when she crossed. And then she said to me, the woman in the room, the grandma in the room, that that was her best friend and that when she died, she married that woman's husband. Mm-hmm. I just remembered bursting with love inside and I, that I wanted to hug her. And I asked her if I could from her best friend. And she said yes. And I just remembered going over and hugging her and feeling all the love between those two women. And, and the three adults. And on top of that, too, the young woman at the back had said, this is my grandmother yeah. about the second wife. Yes. And th this woman said, I'm not by blood, 
But this young woman refers to her as my grandmother anyway. Yes. And she was thrilled that her grandmother was getting messages from her grandfather. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was absolutely, my God, the love in that room was just intense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I remember having full-blown moments where everybody was laughing so hard. Yes, frequently at us, Oh, but also at the messages. Yeah, okay, that's fair. So now that we're all out of order, there was another one that you had done that was just like one of those A-plus moments where you said, who owns the bakery? Oh, yeah, it was the one of the last things on the page. Yeah, and there wasn't a very quick response in in the room itself and we were kind of just scanning to see if someone was going to pop their Mm -hmm. their hand up out of like recall and it ended up coming from a woman in the far back on the right Mm -hmm. I don't even know how to describe how I felt when that message began because I was really confused I didn't know where I was going with that at the beginning I was just reading off the page at first that this was my next direction that the spirit guide wanted me to go in but they kind of weren't telling me what they wanted me to do with it. And I was waiting for a response in the room. So I was feeling a little bit stuck for a few minutes or a few moments. And the two women in the back of the room had to help each other. They were sitting together. And I quickly realized when I was asking the questions that one woman was signing to the woman that I was really addressing. So she had some impairment in hearing and or speaking. One of the messages that came through for this woman was that her grandmother and her mother, is that correct? It was the two women and an aunt had all owned a bakery or had all worked at a bakery. Mm -hmm. And that the grandmother, as far as I can remember, was the one that was coming through to tell her how much she loved her. Oh, yes. And I still could cry when I think of channeling that message for her and the energy that was in the room at that point. It just, it it intensified so quickly, so much love, so much empathy that this grandmother kept saying to her granddaughter, an adult woman in the room, that how much she loved her and that in spite of the fact that she had challenges with voice, that it was, in fact, one of the things she had to work on the most in this life was to make herself heard. And that it was on the people in her life to pause, to take the time and to slow down to communicate with her. And that that was one of their life lessons was to actually slow down, to be able to hear another person. And she was pushing that message on anyone who came into contact with her Mm -hmm. I think you could have heard a pin drop oh Anna you well you went to the back of the room and stood near them so that the sign woman could actually see you and communicate clearly Mm -hmm. and for the majority of the people that I was staring at from the front of the room they didn't turn their heads they put them down what it's like they they stayed facing forward They looked around, they looked down, they actually gave her her space. Oh my God. It was, and it it wasn't discomfort from what I saw. It was give her time, give her space, don't stare. Because there was, there's, there's lag time, right? In between when you speak silence while the language is being signed. Then for the woman to respond to her interpreter and the woman to respond back to you. Right. Everyone just stayed still. 
Thank you. I didn't know that. There was no chatter. It wasn't a pause in the event. They just gave her the respect she deserved. I just recall her crying hard. Mm -hmm. I remember her like having the deep feel it in your gut cry. And I just think again, what an extraordinary group of 65 or 62 people that were in that room that night. To be able to hold so much love in that space for those full two hours for every single person, for every single message. Yeah. For you and I and for all the spirits. It was such a magical evening. And that for me was one of the most magical moments. Mm-hmm. There were many last night. Mm-hmm. So another message that I had received was from a, a man who was a boy when he passed. And he was there to address his mom. And he said, you remember my voice. I was old enough that you you heard me call you mama um, or mom. And he had come through to talk to her about the fact that she was his advocate. She stuck up for him. And he played her voice in his head when he didn't believe in himself. Mm-hmm. It's not even that she had to be there. It was just that if he doubted himself, he could hear her say, Yes, you can. And so he built up his courage and he figured, well, yes, I can. And delivering the message to her was a little difficult. Mm -hmm. He didn't understand it at first in the way that he had meant it. Because he just said, you fought for me. Yes. And I think she just saw it as that's just what you do and that's not really fighting. Yeah. And the woman next to her was like, come on. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, you are that person. And he even said too. You taught me that it's okay to apologize, but you didn't abuse the word. So she wasn't someone who would say, sorry, sorry, sorry. She would say, sorry, and not really elaborate. He even said, you didn't do a great job of it, but it was enough to know that you were allowed to say it, be humble, and then move on. Yeah. That she didn't stay stuck holding any kind of grudges, and that he had learned that from her. What a lesson. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he mentioned, too, that he was still at a rink. And he loved being there. And they had said that his son, who's still alive, plays hockey. And that's that's the rink. Mm-hmm. And he just said it's a joy to be there. Mm-hmm. And I just remember that no matter how difficult it was for her to really understand what was being said, he wasn't stopping. He just said, if I don't get this through to her, that she deserves to be thanked, that she deserves credit, then he himself felt like he didn't do a good enough job. I remember another message. He pointed out to her that she was now teaching her grandson, his son, son, the same lesson. And that he was so, oh, I've got goosebumps. That he was so grateful. Oh my God, Kelly, I feel like crying. He was so grateful that his mom was still alive to teach his son the lessons that Mm. he got himself from her. And he said, my heart just stopped. He said, I had no pain. It was extremely quick. And she knew it. She just needed to hear it again because she got a little tripped up every now and then. And he said, no pain. It was just a simple transition. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm really, really glad, Kelly, and really proud of you that sometimes when it's a challenge for the person in the audience to hear a message and to understand it, it doesn't mean... Sometimes that they don't want to, it just doesn't, it just doesn't resonate in the way that it's meant. And it takes them sometimes a minute, sometimes it takes five or 10, 
And out of a two hour evening, every minute is like people want their messages. So we can feel the stress of the audience where it's like, well, if they're not going to get the message, move on, come on, get over here. I want something. I didn't feel that last night from anybody in that room. Mm -hmm. And I didn't see you stress to try and rush through um, wanting her to understand it faster. Thank you. There was such um, a beautiful energy that you just simply would repeat it or reword it until she finally got it. And there was no anxiety from you, from the spirit world, or from anyone present to push her. And I, and I, I really want to point that out because somebody might think, well, that's really nice. That was that part of that evening. But hey, do you live your own life like that? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm very, very, very proud of you. To end the evening, there was a beautiful woman to the left of us at the very front row. And I think she was the one that I started with that had the pain in the foot because I was trying to figure out why I felt the broken foot. When we drove there at the around six o'clock that evening, and she identified that it was her foot. She had information from the spirit world come through to give her medically intuitive information. And part of it had to do with the fact that it would benefit her to see a chiropractor. She honestly came forward last night to say that she was uncomfortable doing that because she had had a prior experience that made her nervous and that she didn't want to go back. But the spirit guides were really adamant that she see another person who could make her feel comfortable who just had that maybe in their character or in their technique. And fortunately, that chiropractor was present last night at the event. Yeah, we didn't actually announce that. Oh, we did not. That's very true. So even though she was resisting the suggestion to go see a chiropractor, uh, we ended up describing her physical pain. And that was when both of us started channeling for her. So I had said, you've got shoulder pain as well. You described where it went up her neck. And there was kind of a bit of a tag team there, which was, I think, really nice for people to see that we can channel the same thing at the same time. Mm -hmm. And the person channeling this was her stepdad. Right. He had originally come through to say, I loved you. Yeah. And that she needed to hear it again. And that she really loved him as well. Mm -hmm. Even though he had challenged her. Yeah, so he had said to her, you loved me even when I wasn't really lovable. Mm-hmm. You forgave me even though might not have been something that was forgivable. Yeah, she wanted to. In the hopes that he would just continue loving her. Yeah. And he, he at one point you even asked, ah, you know, do you want your stepdad or do you want medical intuitive? Because both are coming through. And she said, whatever is more important. Mm. And he ended up giving the medical intuitive information and then talking a bit about himself. Oh, isn't that perfect? Mm-hmm. And that's why consent is so important. And I think I love mm-hmm. explaining to people, you can come with an intention, but so long as you're open to everything, you can have it all. Oh, I love it. Yeah, because through the through all of the gifts, we can be channeling a person who's died, but we're still get synesthetically still picking up all of their body pain wanting to give them all of the medical intuitive information. Yes. And he gave it to both of us synesthetically and at yeah, the same time. This is the going out with a bang. Yeah. So okay. he was your foot pain. Yes. But she was your foot pain. Okay. 
Because she had felt like her foot had been broken. Oh. She was the reason that you were lying on the table all day. So if we go back to the beginning of this podcast, she was the one who was so exhausted who couldn't get up. Oh, jeez. Yes, and had kept pushing herself and pushing herself. And I had said to her at one point, you've pushed all your friends away. You've started to isolate, minus a few. And the three girls next to her started laughing because they were the only three she hadn't managed to push away. Right. And he had come through to say, you've done a good job being good friends to her, but she needs to start pulling her weight now, taking care of herself because she's pushed everyone away. Okay. Isn't that good for all four of those women to sit present and now know what to do for each other? Mm -hmm, Because she was isolating due to all of her pain. Right. You can't think straight when you're in pain. Yeah. You don't want anyone around. You can't handle anyone else's needs when you're in chronic pain. Right. Yeah, sometimes you can't even answer their questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she had said, I haven't been out in months, and she picked this event. Uh-huh. And then her stepfather showed up to love her. Yeah. And to give her the medically intuitive correct information, and to put a chiropractor that would be perfect for her in the same room as her. Yes. And then we found out that I had said he also struggled with addiction. Because I started smelling alcohol. I think you had as well. Yeah. And you had said it's not just beer. It's also vodka and hard liquors. And those were my poops. Oh, right. And then you said you had such a pressing headache happening in your head. And she said he fell down the stairs and died from asphyxiation. Mm. So this was my whole event upstairs with... The dizziness, needing to turn the lights on and reach out, thinking I couldn't make it down the stairs. Oh, right, Kelly. Destroying a bathroom. Mm -hmm. All for her to come through and give us the affirmations that her stepdad showed up. Right. So you and I pick up all of these through mirror touch synesthesia all day long. Mm -hmm. And when you couldn't get off the table during the day to the point where you didn't want to live, she said, yes, that was me. Yeah. Remember feeling suicidal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she just she just humbly accepted. And I love that we don't even have to explain that we don't judge it. Yeah. That we can just feel it and know and that that's okay. And love. Mm-hmm. Love and accept. I hope that's what people truly feel from you and I in every session and in every one of those events. Yeah. Last night was exceptional. Oh, in every way. And I want to say, on unsurrendered land, it just felt truly spiritual. Easy. Yeah, just joyful. I wish I could channel there all the time. Well, hopefully they'll invite us back. I sure hope so. I, that community was just amazing. And I, as always, enjoyed working with you. Yeah, I, I was so proud of you last night. Thank you. It was not one of my shining moments. And yet, and yet, Kelly... And yet it was for it both of us. It is totally. Yeah. It really, truly is. Even the playfulness between the two of us, the and dancing, the... Matching outfits and that we ended up finding out the stepdad oh, yeah. and this woman had dressed alike. It was just... Yeah. yeah. So Kelly and I dressed alike and coincided... I, can I tell them the hair story yes. while we're here? Okay. So the day before the event, I went to a brand new hairdresser I have never seen before. I walked in to hair designers and said to Mark, cut my hair any way you want to. I don't know what to do with my hair. And he has never met you. 
and he cut my hair identical to yours. <laughs> With the part on the opposite side, so that when we're standing facing each other, we are exact mirror. So we thought last night we would both put black leggings on, high-heeled boots, and the same sweater in different colors. Mm -hmm. And the stepdad, as we were channeling him at the end of the night, came through to say, please comment on her clothing. Yeah. This young that my stepdaughter is dressed like me. Yeah, he told me he was that I said something to her about that he wore jeans, t-shirt with a shirt over top, and he liked to layer. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah he liked to layer things, and that's exactly what she was wearing. So she makes the comment too. Yeah, and <laughs> you and I had been chatting just about if you and I ever, God forbid, left this earth without each other, um, that if I went to a medium, I'd go dressed in a trench coat, and I would say to them, "What's Karen wearing? I need to know what my mom's wearing because <laughs> yeah. it's going to be the same as me, right?" And lo and behold, that's our last message of the evening, that she showed up dressed like her stepdad, and that's who she wanted. Yeah. What a very fun evening. Mm -hmm. And day. Mm -hmm. as, well, as much as it was and difficult. I'll, and I'll say, yeah, I was just going to say fun and difficult. But I think that's what these gifts are all the time. I think they are fun. I think they are difficult. I think they are extraordinary. I think they are gifts. I think they are a pain in my ass. Mm-hmm. I think they are a challenge and uncomfortable and sometimes make me feel like I'm going crazy. And yet, all at the same time, they are you. They are my daughter. Mm -hmm. And they are beautiful. Thank you. Just very all mixed up, which is what life is, isn't it? Just a lot of things mixed up, but all together beautiful. Good. Mm-hmm. If you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at Again, if this fascinated you or excited you, tickets are on sale at the website bysarlo.com for April, August, and December of 2019. Have a wonderful Saturday. <laughs>